Greetings. Welcome to episode 69 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on Twitter, especially. That's at Sir DRJM. I'd love to interact with you over there. Uh, shoot me a DM, tweet at me, give me questions, comments, concerns, topics for the show, anything you've got, and I will gladly bring it on over here. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that fun stuff. And of course, if you can't get enough of me, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast available on podcast services everywhere as well. Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant related. Now, on today's episode, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. Then, of course, we inch closer to the start of the Overwatch League, and as such, the rumors are flying. There are more signings trickling in, and the Overwatch 2 team gives us a remix on the old and a peek at the new. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Get in there! Alright, so first things first, let's take a look at the calendar here. This is, of course... April 6th, Wednesday, April 6th episode, which means we only have just under a month left until the return of the Overwatch League with Season 5 kicking off in on May 5th, 2022. So, currently we are doing an every other week rotation with the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, so this episode goes live April 6th, as I mentioned. We'll have another episode of Ready, Set, Pwn going live April 13th. I believe we then, Ready, Set, Pwn, will at that point be transitioning to a weekly podcast again with a new episode going live April 20th, an episode April 27th, and then of course May 4th will be the final episode before the start of Season 5 of the Overwatch League. Now for us on One Man Watchpoint, we're going to do things a little slower paced. Uh, I don't believe I'm going to do a sort of big feature on my power rankings although we will be doing power rankings over on ready set pwn so obviously since i'm gonna have them i may just bring them onto this show and we'll you know talk about them look at them a little bit maybe maybe throw some things around just speculate on what we expect the next season to look like um but i'm not really gonna do a special episode or anything for that so i think we'll keep going with every other week for one man watchpoint for the time being so as i mentioned this episode you will be listening to it on april 6th or later our next episode will be April 20th. Then, of course, the final episode before the start of the league would be April 4th. So I'm just thinking what we'll probably do is just keep on that path. We'll have April 4th be the final episode before the start of the season. Um, and then from there, we'll transition back, of course, to an, uh, every a weekly show. So we'll go May 11th, May 18th, May 25th, etc., etc., leading up to June 1st, and so on and so forth throughout the season, season 5 of the Overwatch League. So that's the housekeeping I wanted to take care of. Um, you know, nothing nothing too exciting there, nothing too unexpected either. I guess our, uh, our other, every other weekly rotation is kind of working out well and has timed out perfectly. Funny how that works, and... Uh, Funny how a certain, uh, you know, community update team could have uh, probably stuck to a very similar schedule, um, as we've talked about before on One Man Watchpoint. 
But I digress. That's kind of what we're looking at for one man watch point. So now that that's all taken care of, let's get into the fun stuff and let's talk a little bit about the news. Keep moving to the extraction point. It's not far now. As I'm sure you can guess, our feature story, our top story of the show this week, comes directly from the Play Overwatch team. That's playoverwatch.com, where they are outlining the Overwatch Anniversary Remix event. So let me read directly from their website, and we'll get into things and talk a little bit about this. So first, the article reads, Overwatch Anniversary Remix Volume 1, April 5th through 26th, 2022. It's the sixth anniversary of Overwatch. To celebrate, we're unlocking the skin vault and bringing back limited looks you may have missed out on with an exclusive new twist. Join the party, earn weekly rewards, and play all your favorite seasonal brawls now. Collect commemorative loot alongside the new collectibles anniversary loot boxes. Have a chance to contain items from past anniversary and seasonal events. In addition to earning anniversary loot boxes by purchasing them in the shop, unlock one legendary loot box just for logging in. Don't wait too long, though. Anniversary loot boxes will vanish when the event ends on April 26th. Now, if we uh, hit the read more here and we jump over to the actual event, they've got uh, this nice nice image of uh, Genji and Mercy in their remixed skins. And the article continues, Join the party. It's time to grab your gilded weapons and put on your party skins. The sixth anniversary of Overwatch has arrived. Here's to six years of steadfast payload-pushing, jaw-dropping trick shots, tenacious teamwork, and a community filled with unmatched passion. To celebrate the occasion, we're unlocking the skin vault and bringing back six limited looks that you might have missed out on with an exclusive twist. Your second chance to secure these skins has arrived. Unlock elegant new variants of past legendaries like Oni Genji, Nevermore Reaper, Witch Mercy, and more. The festivities are just getting started, so keep an eye out for more content to come. So, they've got a button there to view the unlocks. So let me jump over there, and we can actually take a look at what exactly they're showing off for that. Uh, so, first things first, we've got the... The brawls are back. As part of the Overwatch anniversary celebration, we're unlocking season-exclusive brawls, giving you the chance to dive back into your favorite modes from previous seasonal events. Want to know what days your favorite brawls will be back? Check out the schedule below. Regional times may vary. So they've then actually got a day-to-day -day look at which past event will be available on every single day of this remixed event. So uh, this, they've got a kind of a nice little tracker here. April 5th, we've got Summer Games, so we've got Lucio Ball and Lucio Ball Remix. April 6th, we've got Overwatch Halloween Terror with, of course, Junkenstein's Revenge and Junkenstein End Junkenstein's Endless. April 7th, we have Halloween Terror, and we have a whole bunch of the um, Junkenstein special modes, so Vengeful Ghost, Volatile Zomnix, Mystery Swap, Frenzied Stampede 3, they were, Shocking Surprise, April 8th, we move into the Winter Wonderland, where we've got Snowball Deathmatch, Maze Snowball Offensive, Yeti Hunter, Freeze Thaw Elimination. April 9th, we've got Capture the Flag, we've got Capture the Flag Blitz, and we've got Bounty Hunter. Now, I'm actually going to read through these right through to April 20th, because, of course, that's when our next episode will air. So that will give you, uh, you know, the uh, a, a glimpse into all of the events, or all of the days from now until then. Um, April 9th is the Year of the Tiger uh, event. Capture the Flag, Capture the Flag Blitz, Bounty Hunter. April 10th, 
we have the Overwatch archives returning with the Uprising story, Retribution story, Storm Rising story. We've got Uprising All Heroes, Retribution All Heroes, and Storm Rising All Heroes. So that's all of the uh, archive events. We've got more of the archive events with Bulletproof Barriers, Molten Cores, Glass Cannon, Sympathy Gains, Surgical Strike, Close Quarters, Thunderstorm, Blood Moon Rising, and Storm Raging. So that's all of the special modes for each of those uh, three um, story modes that I mentioned, the Uprising, Retribution, and Storm Rising. April 12th, we then kick it back to the Summer Games, and we have Lucio Ball returning with Lucio Ball Remix. April 13th goes back to Halloween Terror with the uh, two classic Halloween modes. April 14th is the Halloween uh, Special Modes. April 15th goes back into Winter Wonderland with the Maze Snowball Modes and uh, Yeti Hunter and Freeze Thaw. April 16th goes back to the Year of the Tiger again. April 17th goes back to the Overwatch Archives. 18th goes to the Overwatch Archives uh, Extra Modes. April 19th kicks back to Lucio Ball. And of course, April 20th takes us back into Junkenstein's Revenge and Junkenstein's Endless, Endless with the regular Halloween Terror Modes. So as you can see there, you know, breaking it all down, it is just repeating all of these uh, sort of classic or fan favorite modes, if you will, um, with the, the, the Summer Games events, with the Archive events, with the Winter Wonderland, and then Halloween Terror, and of course, the uh, Lunar New Year events as well. So we've got all of these modes returning, and the nice thing is they also repeat. So, you know, if you miss it uh, on the first day that it's there, you actually have more than one chance, I think, to, uh, to play every single one of those again. So kind of nice that they're doing that. Um, you know, it gives people a chance, I mean, to touch these game modes if you have missed them in the past, which at this point, I mean, it's been five years of all of this. I'm not sure how you would really miss that. Um, but I digress, you know, it gives everyone a chance to get back in there. But let's talk about the rewards because that's the actual exciting part, if you ask me anyways. So first, we go into the weekly challenges. They're doing the play to earn challenges again. Along with fan favorite legendary skins, we're bringing back a select few exclusive skins from past Overwatch challenge events. Miss out on snagging these in the first time around? Now is your chance to add them to your collection. Play games in quick play, competitive play, or the arcade to unlock sprays, player icons, and stylish skins like Nano, Diva, Bastet, Ana, and Combat Medic Baptiste. Wins count as two games each. Each wing each week brings new rewards to earn. So April 5th through 12th, we have play 9 games, and you get uh, 2 sprays for D.Va. Play 18 games, and you get the player, the Nano Cola player icon for, again, D.Va inspired. And then play 27 games, and you get the Nano D.Va epic skin, which is, is of course, the uh, um, sort of energy drink inspired, uh, you know, Nano Boost. Nano Boost is the energy drink inspired uh, suit for D.Va. Uh, has her mech looking all green, purple, uh, green and sort of a bluey purple, kind of an indigo color with highlights of pink. And of course, Diva also decked out in a suit that looks very similar. Uh, a cool skin for sure. One of uh, one of the ones that I do really like for Diva as far as the um, as far as the play to earn challenge skins win. Week two is the Anna Bastet skin as the uh, play 27 games and win that. Play 18 is a kneeling victory pose for Anna, and play nine is the Bastet Anna player icon. This one I actually think is probably one of the better play to earn skins, so I'm actually quite excited to see this one come back. I, I do actually have all of these ones, so you know I don't really need to earn these challenges, but regardless, I'm happy to see them return. Um, anyways, the Bastet skin has uh, Anna looking uh, kind of 
I believe Bastet would be an Egyptian-inspired skin with uh, her wearing a face mask and, and some ears that kind of looks, uh, resembles a cat. Um, and she's got sort of, sort of a gold and beige, sandy-inspired colored look with uh, a lot of gold highlights. Uh, a really nice-looking skin, if you ask me. And week three sees the return of the uh, Combat Medic Baptiste skin, which is the reward for playing 27 games. Playing 18 gets you uh, two Baptiste uh, sprays, and playing 9 gets you the Combat Medic Baptiste player icon. And uh, honestly, this is one of the better ones for Baptiste, if you ask me, too. Um, it's got kind of a really really nice, clean look for Baptiste. Really features, uh, features him well, and kind of really conveys the idea that in this skin, uh, you know, he was uh, kind of fighting the good fight, uh, a true combat medic, where he's uh, very decked out in sort of white and grays with just the highlights of uh, uh, this kind of teal and, and red color for the um, uh, sort of, I don't know what to call it, medic symbol, the, the hospital symbol that, you know, classically represents a hospital. So overall, I'm excited to see all three of these come back. Um, as I mentioned there, the, the Diva skin is probably the least exciting one, if you ask me, but nevertheless, it's still a really great one that I'm uh, happy to see return. Now, moving on from there, they've got the Anniversary Skins and More section of this story, where it, of course, says celebrate Overwatch's anniversary by earning new collectibles, plus items from past events are available once again, except rewards from past challenges. So, of course, they're saying the other play to earn challenges you're not actually going to be able to uh to get those so we can actually use the filter here to look um by anniversary summer games halloween terror winter wonderland lunar new year and archives so if i do that it'll actually show me you know by player all of the different skins that i can earn right now for those players from those particular events so that's kind of kind of neat that they're giving us that visibility you can do the same for emotes and intros um however the exciting part of the anniversary tab here is, of course, the new skins. So if we take a peek here, the first one they've got there is the demon skin for uh, for Genji, which now is sort of an alternate color, uh, color scheme, mostly highlighted in white with a lot of black and red there. After that, it's the Evermore skin for Reaper, which returns, but instead of being either, you know, sort of a, a dark black and purple or dark black and green, it's actually kind of reversed and it's more of a white, uh, white color highlighted with some, I guess, some blacks and, and light purples kind of thing. Arguably, the best one to return is the Mercy Mage skin. So, of course, her Halloween Terror uh, inspired skin, but this time around, instead of being, again, dark colors, it is white with blue highlights. This one looks really cool, if you ask me. And probably the other one that I'm really excited about is, actually, that's not true, there's another one. Another one that I'm really excited about is the Reinhardt skin, which has been the Steelheart skin, which has been remixed. Rather than being all black or red, um, it's now white and, and, and kind of a gray-silver color with green highlights. So this one actually uh, resembles Genji colors if, a lot, if you ask me. Um, but the, the Steelheart skin is is uh, one of the coolest ones, if you ask me, for Reinhardt. One of the coolest kind of classic ones. I think he's got Bloodheart and... Uh, I forget what the other one is. It might be Blackheart or something like that. Um, but anyways, this is a really cool remix on that. We've then got Diva featuring the White Cat skin. So I believe she has one called Black Cat right now, and this is a remix version of that. But of course, featuring much more white and black. And then the other one that I was mentioning there that I'm really excited about because it's probably one of my 
favorite skins in the game and uh, definitely my favorite skin for this particular character. We have the Zealot skin for uh, Zenyatta, which is of course a remixed version version of the Cultist skin, um, which obviously Cultist was the, the sort of Cthulhu-inspired um, Halloween Terror event skin for Zenyatta, where he, you know, again, looks very much like Cthulhu. He's got kind of the squid face and and uh, he says he, his voice lines are all are all dark and scary. And I, I'm a big fan of that skin. And like I say, it's definitely my favorite skin for Zenyatta, if not one of my favorite skins in the game. And this time around, rather than Zen being uh, all purple, he's now white. Rather than his outfit or his attire being, you know, dark blacks and grays and things like that with sort of neon green highlights, he's now mostly white with sort of teal highlights. Um, so I really dig this one. Uh, but ultimately... I think uh, I think all of these are really cool to see, and and you know even though it's just kind of a palette swap, um, I think it's exciting to see them taking some of these really classic skins that you know came out quite a while ago at this point. Especially if we look at you know uh, the cultist skin, the the demon skin for for um, for Genji. Uh, we look at the Nevermore or Evermore skin for Reaper and uh, the Mage one for which of course is called Witch. <laughs> witch is called witch um for mercy and the steelheart skin the only one i think is a more recent skin that's being remixed is the white cat one although i could be wrong that one may have been around for a while but regardless i think all the other ones have been around for quite a while so exciting to see those classic skins returning but in sort of a new flavor now we then of course i'm just going to hit the drop down here take a quick peek at some of the other ones of course if we look at summer games you can, you know, take this opportunity to get all of these sort of pool, I was going to say poolside, but all of these sort of summary skins, um, you know, some of the, the, the sports-themed skins, um, a lot of the uh, sort of country-themed ones. So you've got, you know, um, uh, Tracer has one uh, where she's sort of in a, a, um, a British flag or, or English, I don't know, uh, countryside, not countryside, that's the wrong word. Um uh, resembling her country kind of uh, outfit. We've got the American uh, skin for Cassidy, which of course makes him look like he's wearing an American flag. Um, you know, Mercy has one that makes her look like she's, you know, decked out to represent Switzerland. Switzerland. Wow, I said that weird. Switzerland and all that kind of thing. So that's exciting. Jumping over to Halloween Terror, you know, the return of all the Halloween skins, which I think are probably some of the best um, skins out there. I might have to pick up some some Winston skins. I do think he's probably one of my faves with the the werewolf skin. Uh, Sigma's got the Flying Dutchman skin returning. That's always a cool one. Um, just lots of lots of good ones here. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Halloween Terror skins. I think they did a great job with those. Winter Wonderland as well, where of course we see the return of all the uh, sort of winter sports skins as well as some of the holiday themed ones. Um, I'm looking at you, Santa Clad Torbjorn, and you know, Nutcracker Zenyatta. Um, Plus, you know, uh, like I said, some of the winter sports ones with Snowboarder Baptiste. Um, there's a Snowman one for, uh, for what's his name, Wrecking Ball there. Krampus for Junkrat, some good ones there. Um, honestly, I love the skins in this game. I think they do a really good job with them. If we jump over to the Lunar New Year event, they've got skins from all the past Lunar New Years, which I always think that one's kind of a cool one because each year has a sort of that different theme of um, the different Lunar New Years. So, of course, we go through the, the each year and have the different themed skins for those. And then finally, we get to the archive skins, which, you know, traditionally kind of represent a sort of 
point in time, if you will, we've got, you know, Soldier 1776, where Soldier looks like he's kind of, you know, right out of the 1700s or sort of that Victorian era, um, you know, Revolutionary War era uh, style skin for, for the Americas. Um, the cavalry skin for Tracer, where of course she looks kind of like a traditional uh, British soldier. Um, and then, you know, there's there's uh, all the Blackwatch and uh, Talon ones. Um, so, you know, the Blackwatch skin for Moira, the Talon skins for both Sombra and Doomfist. We've got the Equalizer skin for Lucio, which of course was one of his sort of original concepted designs that didn't make it into the uh, initial game, but came through later as this alternate skin. Um, and then, of course, you got, you know, things like the Null Sector skins from that uh, first Archives event as well, um, with Null Sector skins for... Uh, for Bastion, for Orisa, um, and all of the other side of the battle ones for characters like uh, Tracer with Cadet Oxton and Combat Medic Zeigler for uh, for Mercy, amongst others. So exciting stuff! Um, if I had to guess, this is the most uh, sort of <laughs> sort of skins available we've seen for any event. So by all means, if you're playing, um, you've got a good chance to earn some some decent skins here. Um, this is really going to throw a wrench in my Elden Ring plans. Uh, I'm going to going to want to get in there and get some of these because this is this is a big deal. Um, and if you ask me, this is the perfect way to sort of celebrate the game and uh, you know sort of hype things up for Overwatch 2. Obviously, we're still a little ways away, but with the beta coming, um, with a a more open beta. I'm not saying a public beta, but a more open beta coming at the end of April. This is a great way to kind of get people back in there, get them you know, stretching their legs a little, finding their sea legs again, um, earning some rewards, maybe spending those, the last, um, uh, whatever it's called, Overwatch League, Overwatch bucks that they've got there, um, so that they can, uh, obviously get some skins, and they did actually, one thing that was kind of embedded in the information about this, is they did once again reinforce that all of the skins from Overwatch 1 would carry over to Overwatch 2, so that was nice to see because since they first announced that, um, we haven't heard that again. So I know, you know, uh, I myself was getting a little worried that they might be backtracking on that uh, because they hadn't really been highlighting it or saying anything about it. But given the fact that they did uh, bring it up again, I'm I'm faithful that now that, you know, they are going to hold good on that promise. Um, there's a lot of skins out there that I certainly don't have and uh, definitely... I don't have enough points to get all the ones that I want, but I do, uh, of course, enjoy the fact that when it comes down to these skins, they're going to, um, you know, be available at a discounted rate again for pretty much the entire month of April at this point, uh, which is awesome to see. So I'll definitely get in there, maybe spend some of those bucks one last time uh, before Overwatch 2 uh, really kicks into gear. So get in there, get your rewards, you know, play your weekly challenges if you have not earned those... Uh, diva anna and baptiste skins um and overall you know enjoy enjoy the anniversary event remixed now that was that was quite the story i just talked for you know 20 odd minutes on uh, on that alone so good job good job overwatch team giving us giving us some good stuff to talk about some good content to discuss here now let's move on over to the news we do have uh, some Overwatch League uh, related stories here. We do actually have a little bit of uh, stories around Overwatch 2 as well, which should be exciting to dive into. So 
let's get on in there. First things first, we're going to go over to .esports.com with an article by everyone's favorite, Liz Richardson, written on March 23rd, which reads, Boston Uprising adds Tank Itsall from Uprising Academy. So obviously with this one, uh, backtracking a little bit here uh, to just after my most recent episode posted, but let's get in there as it relates to the Boston Uprising. Even though the fifth season kicks off in little over a month, Overwatch League teams are still making last-minute roster additions. Considering the game's shift to an early build of Overwatch 2 and the introduction of 5 vs. 5 competition, it might be better to be safe than sorry. The Boston Uprising took this idea to heart, promoting tank player Kim Itsal Chang Hee from Uprising Academy, its Overwatch Contenders Academy team. Itsal is the third tank signed to the Boston Uprising alongside Punk and Marvel. Now bear with me one sec here while I pull something up. There we go. While his signing adds depth to the team, only one tank will be playing in each game thanks to Overwatch 2's 5 vs. 5 setup. Previously, two tanks took to the field each match. As a main tank for teams like Uprising Academy and Gen G Esports, Itzal can likely bring that expertise to heroes like Winston, Arisa, and Reinhardt during the upcoming season. Itzal showed tremendous potential in 2021, and he will bring further depth to our front line for the 2022 season, Boston Uprising President Huck said about the team's newest addition. Boston has almost completely revamped its entire its team sorry, ahead of the fifth season, retaining only three players from its 2021 roster. Most notably, former Boston Uprising and San Francisco Shock DPS striker will be coming out of retirement to lend his skills to the team in 2022. So, taking a look at the Boston Uprising here, they do have a very interesting team composition at this point. Um, again, as Liz kind of hints at there, not incredibly common to see teams right now stacking three on the tank roll. Um, more often than not, we're seeing two. In many cases, we're only seeing one, given the fact that, you know, again, the game is switching to 5v5 and there will only be one tank on the field at a time. I've heard some speculation that maybe this indicates there have been challenges or problems with uh, one or both of the players they have on the tank roll right now. Um, Specifically, I know people have been mentioning maybe there have been challenges with Punk, given his hero pool kind of overlaps with Itzal's. Um, hard to say at this point. You know, I, I don't really know where I land on it. It does put the Boston Uprising sitting at nine players on their team, which is on the high end. Um, you know, most teams seems like are leaning towards seven or eight, uh, with the majority probably sitting at, uh, at that eight mark right now. Um, but we do still have a number of teams with six, um, a few that, you know, technically have six, but realistically, we only know they have five at this point, but I digress. We're really seeing most probably float around that seven or eight with a few outliers on either end. But the real question mark is the three players on the tank roll. The only other team we see that with right now is of course the Hangzhou Spark who have Gushui, Bernard and Lige on tank. Um, and Boston has of course, Marvel, Punk and Itzal. So, interesting stuff there. Um, given it's all coming from their academy team, um, you know, not a stretch to have seen this coming, but what the stretch is, is the fact that they already had two players on tank roll, and uh, we really don't know what this means. Uh, potentially there's a change coming, um, or potentially, you know, they were just missing something. Could be a single hero that they're expecting to be in the meta, could be a couple, um, could be someone was underperforming, who knows at this point, but... I digress. Boston building out the roster. Um, we'll see what happens. Right now, I mean, I'm thinking Boston not going to necessarily place super high on the power rankings there. But uh, regardless, 
making moves. Moving on from there, we're going to jump on to an article from Blizzard itself. So this time, uh, again, technically over on the playoverwatch.com website, um, this one's probably going to be easiest to find if you simply just Google it. Um, and what you would Google, of course, is something along the lines of Overwatch 2 ping system detailed. Now, I'm going to read... Do I want to read this whole thing? I'll probably... Yeah, yeah, I'll dive into this entire article here. Um, it's a bit of a meaty one posted by the Overwatch or the Blizzard Entertainment team. Mostly, you know, the Overwatch team. Um, but it does detail the ping system that they had mentioned briefly in a past community update. But in this article, they're really diving into sort of the meat and potatoes of what they're looking at with the ping system and how they're implementing it. So I do think this is a pretty important one and honestly a sizable drop in terms of uh, giving us information about the, um, the game that we didn't previously know. So let's get on in there. All right, so first things first. Article reads, an inside look at the ping system in Overwatch 2 posted on March 24th by Blizzard Entertainment. Overwatch 2 is introducing the highly requested ping system to the game. We're adding this quality of life feature because we're dedicated to improving players' experience and including the community in our development strategy. Let's dive into the aspirations, goals, and an overview of the Overwatch 2 ping system. The inspirational, nope, sorry, the inspiration behind the ping system came from a value the Overwatch team holds dearly. Every voice matters. This is a core value at Blizzard, and the Overwatch team wanted to personify this value in our game. We wanted to create a system that would enhance voice communications as well as provide alternative ways to share information with your teams, said systems designer Gavin Winter. One of our goals was to augment speech and give people a way to visually interpret voice communication. We also wanted to support all voices and create a system to communicate for players that would prefer to avoid voice chat. Part of how the ping system enhances communication is by adding context to what you can already hear in the voice chat. With the press of a button, you will activate a contextual ping depending on what you're aiming at within your line of sight. For example, if you're playing Tracer and ping an enemy Reaper, your teammates will hear Tracer call out that Reaper's location. Principal designer Adam Poole explains, It's a more accurate, clear, and understandable way of communicating rather than hearing someone yell, Reaper behind, or Reaper, Reaper, Reaper. Poole was also incredibly adamant about looking into the or looking to the community for guidance on how to create contextual pings that are functional for the players. With Reaper, sometimes you can see him and sometimes you can't. When you ping a Reaper who's in your line of sight, the hero you're playing will call out his location. However, when he breaks line of sight, your ping will show his last known location. Some of Reaper's ability like abilities like Shadow Step and Wraith Form will cause your ping to show his last known location. Winter explains how you can expect this to look in-game. Quote, A ping can be stuck to a hero while they're visible, and the ping shows the last known location when they aren't visible. End quote. The ping changes depending on hero abilities. Sombra's Translocator, Doomfist's Meteor Strike, Moira's Fade, Tracer's Recall are all examples of abilities that will cause the ping to fall off. This was designed to specifically fit with Overwatch's fast-paced gameplay. Alerting your teammates to your enemy's location or last known locations are only a few of the things you'll be able to convey with the new ping system. Holding down the ping button will open a wheel that allows you to tell your teammates where you're attacking, defending, need help, and more. There's also a unique set of interactions for responding to a teammate's ping. Using the communication wheel to tell your team to group up or I need healing will now activate a ping on top of your hero. Your teammates can respond to your ping by, uh, to let you know they're with you or where you can group up with your team's support heroes. We'll be iterating on the system as more data comes from in from testing. We want to create an evolving system that's the right fit for the gameplay and culture of Overwatch. Quote, 
We're hoping this system will help with toxicity in games, says Winter. If you don't like a person pinging so much, you have the option to turn the ping system off through block or squelch that for or squelch for that specific person. We do have heavy spam protection right now that we're open to adjusting, but we really want to see what works best for the community. It's important to remember the ping system is a work in progress. We include many different teams in the development process, and we're always interested in hearing what works and what players would like to see in the future. We can't wait to show you more about the future of Overwatch 2 PvP soon. So a lot of good stuff in there. Um, you know, the article gives us a lot of details. It didn't take too long to get through there, but gives us a lot of details about this ping system and how it's going to work. Um, so I won't, you know, tear apart every single point there, but I know in the past when I had, when they first kind of mentioned the ping system and I talked about it, I had concerns that it was, um, in other games, what we've seen with the ping functionality was uh, not necessarily limited, but simple. And Overwatch is a very complex game um, in terms of following it, in terms of understanding it, in terms of uh, character abilities and things like that. I was a little concerned that uh, it was going to be overly complicated, but it seems to me like they have taken the right approach. So the comparison point in my mind is always Apex Legends, which I think was kind of the first game to, uh, if not use it, uh, to popularize it. And so in that game, of course, uh, you ping something and depending on what you're looking at it you know changes the voice line and uh sort of what the ping looks like so if you ping off in the distance in many cases it just adds a red marker and says something along the lines of over there if you ping an enemy in the distance you will call out that enemy um and in some cases say what they were so uh if i'm not mistaken you'll say you know bloodhound in the distance or whatever like that um given that game is a battle royale there's a lot more interactable stuff on the field so weapons to pick up armor to pick up etc etc um so you might ping a armor chest and it'll actually notify your teammates that that is an that there's you know an armor cache there um if you ping a weapon it'll say what that weapon is and highlight the um the rarity of the item so you know purple green uh, orange etc etc so that your teammates know oh i only have a green weapon i should go pick that one up it's uh, purple or whatever um i was a little concerned because in overwatch obviously we don't have that but the way overwatch works is there's much more to communicate so it's much more positional it's much more call outs um it's much more uh, coordination based rather than necessarily um just you know uh pointing out the context of what's around you the way they've detailed this really does seem like the correct approach and I, I actually really dig it as well um everything they go into about marking an enemy uh character and then that ping you know tracing them until they're either out of line of sight or until they use an ability that removes it i think is really smart um really exciting especially you know one that i wouldn't have thought of but uh one that they call out is tracer there so really kind of nice that you know you might ping a tracer but then if she recalls it's going to actually remove that ping and all you know is where she was at the time she used that ability um i really like that the voice stuff you know obviously helpful that you know your character might say reaper over there or whatever um and also one thing they show is that it actually kind of visually the ping actually will show that it's a reaper which again adding more layers on top of what we're seeing here so rather than just a marker to say a marker and a call out of saying there's a reaper over there the sort of icon that they show in the images on this article actually highlight that it is in fact a reaper and then once he goes out of line of sight you know you can still see it's a reaper icon but with a question mark over it because he's now disappeared so theoretically i would imagine that little icon will last maybe 
one and a half to two seconds at most, probably one to two seconds at most. Um, so really cool stuff there. Um, the other thing they talk about there, obviously, is the different, if, if you hold down the ping button, um, it brings up that context menu like we're used to with uh, all of the voice lines and all of the sprays. Um, that's one ability that, in terms of translation over to console, as we all know, I'm a console gamer because, you know, that's what I prefer. Um, we all know that doesn't necessarily translate to console in the best way. It's doable and it works but it's kind of a clunky implementation. So that was one of my concerns was how would they really give you some freedom and, and flexibility with this ping system if you're going to, again, have a context wheel come up? Now they do obviously highlight that there is another context wheel um, and you know they've got images of it there as well. Um, so I'm sure that will function very similarly, but I do hope that really what it comes down to is it's one click of a button to mark whatever you're looking at um, and call it out. The context side of it comes more into play when you're pinging a position, depending on what you want to communicate to your team, or pinging yourself, of course. So, you know, ideally, um, with that context menu, you'll be able to customize it just like you can with the other ones. Um, and, you you know, you could easily set it to be the up, down, left, and right callouts are, are sort of the main ones uh, that you'll use. So... So there you go. That's a that's a look into the ping system. Now, this is a really cool article. Um, this is the kind of details that I really do think they should be communicating more and they maybe want to communicate more through those community updates. I think if they had kind of baked a first look uh, video into the announcement of the ping system, um, they could have easily tied that into the community update where they briefly mentioned the ping system, but they didn't actually show it. Um, so I kind of think there was a missed opportunity there. Again, I've talked in the past about how I think they really kind of blundered uh, or fumbled this, um, these community updates and sort of the pace and content of them. Um, I know there was a, in the previous community update, I think there was a lot of feedback uh, from the community saying like, what was the point in this? We didn't really get any new information. Um, you know, we got a little bit of teases of stuff, but you know, we didn't get gameplay. We didn't see any new images, things like that. Um, and again, that all comes back to how I looked at the rollout and uh, the timing of these community updates. And I really thought we were going to get one, if not every week, every two weeks. And each one could easily, easily, easily kind of tease a little bit more information leading up to the start of the league. And even then leave tons of content for them to unveil later on. Um, I really think that this is, this is a great example of that. They could have had... Um, you know, after that first community update where they talk about a lot of things, they could have had just a smaller community update. Could have been a, I don't know, 10 to 15 to 20 minute video just saying, hey, we wanted to show off, you know, uh, a closer look at one of the maps um, and talk a little bit about the design philosophy behind it and talk a little bit about some of the new features. And maybe they, they give us kind of a fly through of the map. They give us kind of a, you know, developer walkthrough of, here's why we built this this way here's why we you know designed this how this is and this is what we had in mind for the flow of the map and the game modes etc cetera, etc cetera. and then they could have said you know now let's take a look at a new feature um on this map that we want to show off which is our ping system and then they could kind of show the ping system in in use and realistically they could basically read off this entire article well giving us the visual cues to look at um, again they have the screenshots in the article they could have shown us that uh, in action and I think it would have been a lot more well received and there you go there's there's your Thursday Friday community update video um, you know tune in next week or tune in on whatever date two weeks from now uh, for an, a look at 
another one of the new maps plus a little bit more about gameplay and maybe at that point they show off uh you know again another one of the maps and maybe they detail the push mode a little bit more um some things that people may have missed out on if they aren't huge fans um who watched you know the grand finals last year and saw those uh those those sort of exhibition matches that they had set up in overwatch 2 but I digress. Um, you know, those are, those are my thoughts on the ping system, and uh, again, a little bit on how I think they could have rolled this out. Um, but you know what? We're 40 minutes into the show. We've got a bunch of stories left to cover here, so let's keep moving things along. We're gonna head on over to thegamehouse.com. This time with an article by Brian Rockwood on March 25th, which reads: Overwatch contenders to be played on Overwatch 2 ask around the Overwatch community and almost unanimously people will say that the tier 2 scene is a vital success to uh, of the over well, wow let's start that over ask around the Overwatch community and almost unanimously people will say that the tier 2 scene is vital to the success of the Overwatch League that's why when the Overwatch League announced that it would be played on an early version of Overwatch 2 people were scared that contenders would still be playing Overwatch 1 luckily for fans and the Overwatch League itself that won't be the case on March 24th, the Overwatch Path to Pro announced that contenders will be playing on Overwatch 2. They've then got the tweet embedded there from at OWPathToPro, which reads, Excited to share some initial details about the 2022 Contenders program, and the link to the OverwatchLeague.com uh, article where they announced this. With the introduction of Overwatch 2 into the Tier 2 scene, uh, comes a few changes to help cultivate the best talent each region. I think that should be in each region. In 2022, the classic format will be put on hold, and each contender's tournament will be shorter, open registration-style events. The goal for the open access registration is to allow any prospective talent to make a statement in the new-look contender scene. The best teams from 2021 will still be around. Top teams from 2021 will have direct invites to the new events. The first contender's Overwatch 2 event will be held after the open beta concludes. Fans can expect the same five regions to compete in the upcoming year as well. Prize pool for the 2022 contenders season is $1.3 million. I assume that's US dollars. The only remaining question is just how much practice will these players receive in Overwatch 2? Players aren't sure when the PvP beta officially ends, making the future date a bit hazy. The future event date a bit hazy. Contenders players are always going with the flow, and this is one more thing to power through. Most of the info is up in the air, but one thing is for sure contenders will be on Overwatch 2. So obviously, um, you know, not everything being flushed out there, not everything being shared with us at this stage, but the important part is confirmation that the uh, Tier 2 scene, the Overwatch contenders, will not be left high and dry. They will, in fact, have access to Overwatch 2 in some frame or format, um, and they will indeed be able to compete. Um, one thing that I do find really interesting about this is the fact that they uh, talk about how they're really opening up the registration to everyone. Um, I do think that, you know, in doing that, we're going to see uh, in some ways an influx of um, new talent in the contenders uh, scene, which in theory feeds into the Overwatch League, which is honestly a great way to, uh, to grow the scene. Um, I do also think that it could sort of maybe hint a little bit at uh, the future of the league um, in the formatting sounds a lot more like uh, the League of Legends scene where we where we see sort of regional leagues popping up um, and sort of competing amongst each other with maybe some larger events that cross over these different leagues um, so uh, you know 
it, it doesn't quite go that direction fully. It doesn't quite commit to that. Um, but it seems a little bit like it's leaning towards that, which honestly makes me happy because I think that's a that's also a great way to uh, foster the growth of the scene. So moving on from there, let's talk about probably the biggest story to break since our previous episode. So this is an article that we're going to read from dotesports.com. Again, Liz Richardson on March 27th writes, Super retires from the Overwatch League. One of the league's most prolific players takes a bow from the Shock's competitive roster. The Overwatch League has built and solidified has sorry, has been built and solidified by the legacies of some of its players. Today, one of the biggest names in the league is closing his chapter before the fifth season kicks off on May 5th. San Francisco Shock Tank Matthew Super Delisi is retiring from the Overwatch League, he announced today, ending a four-year career in the Overwatch League. The team's announcement said he would be stepping away from the, quote, competitive roster. One of the most, that should be one of, but it says one of the most popular players in the league since his debut in 2018. Super has been a mainstay in the Overwatch League community for over five years. He was signed to the Shock at age 17 before he was even eligible to play, snatched up based on his performance on teams like LG Evil and Hammers Esports. They've then got the uh, tweet embedded there from the San Francisco Shock, which reads, A true legend retires today. Super has been a cornerstone to not only the Shock, but also Overwatch Esports as a whole. As of today, he will be stepping away from our competitive roster. Thank you for four incredible seasons. Hashtag ShockFam forever. And uh, a really nice uh, sort of tribute video. Uh, thank you video there for Super. Continuing with the article, it reads, Once he was eligible to play in March 2018, Super became one of San Francisco's cornerstone players. He was a critical part of the Shock's championship wins in 2019 and 2020, leading the team with creative and aggressive main tank play. Aside from his skilled play, Super was touted as a face of the Overwatch League thanks to his outgoing personality and communication skills. He appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon on two occasions to discuss the Shock's championship wins and has often served as a vocal ambassador for players in the league. At the end of 2021, Super expressed frustration with the state of Overwatch multiple times on his regular streams, even wondering why developers abandoned the title. Despite those frustrations, he was thankful for the experience he had. Quote, I guess I just wanted to say thank you, and I appreciate all your support over the, last, over the past five years, Super said in an emotional video about his retirement. I will always appreciate everything that I've gotten to do over these five years. In a separate post, Super said that the experience of scrimming and preparing for the upcoming fifth season was, quote, wrecking him emotionally and mentally, and that stepping away from competition was the best choice for his wellness. Super is the most popular Overwatch League player by streaming numbers, boasting 416,000 Twitch followers and 225,000 YouTube subscribers. In the Shocks video, he said fans should expect him to still be around with the team, most likely making a move to content creation. So there you go. A big, uh, honestly, a huge uh, announcement coming from, as Liz highlights there, the face of the league in many ways. Um, it is it is going to be difficult to imagine, um, you know, a player filling the shoes that Super filled, um, given given his success and given uh, his outgoing personality and the uh, leadership traits that he demonstrated within the San Francisco Shock, but also within the league. Um, obviously, uh, a big loss in many ways for the league, but ultimately, players got to do what's best for them. Um, and uh, and yeah, exciting exciting to see him moving on, um, and it will be exciting to see what he does in the future. As Liz hints at there, he's got a bright future ahead of him. 
He's been in the league for four years, and yet he was signed at 17, so he is only 21. Um, and he's going to, you know, at this point, he has a huge streaming career already. And if he leans into that even a little bit, he will be wildly successful at that. Um, so I have no doubt in my mind we will still see him around the league. We'll still see him talking Overwatch and uh, Overwatch 2, of course. Um, but regardless, uh, all the best to Super in, in all his future endeavors, of course. Um, and very sad to see him go uh, from the San Francisco Shock. Now, moving on from there, we go over to March 28th, the day after that article. Another article on DottieSports.com by Liz Richardson, which reads, San Francisco Shock, sign Tank Kaluge. With fewer than two months to go until the Overwatch League's fifth season begins, teams are still making roster additions, especially to fill critical positions left empty by retirements and other extenuating circumstances. The San Francisco Shock announced today that it will be adding Tank Colin Kaluge awry to its roster ahead of the league's May 5th opening weekend. The rookie will have big f- shoes to fill, taking over tank duties from Matthew Super Delisi, San Francisco's veteran main tank who retired from competitive main play, competitive play sorry, on March 27th. Kaluge has been a part of the North American Overwatch scene since 2017 and has played for Overwatch contenders teams like Second Wind, American Tornado, Dark Mode NA, and Bobby Wasabi. In January, he was picked up by Maryville Esports, which participates in Overwatch collegiate tournaments. He was also part of the original GOATS roster in contenders alongside Atlanta Rain tank Gator, which popularized the team composition that dominated the Overwatch scene in 2018 and 2019. Kaluge has a controversial history in the Overwatch community, having been suspended from professional play in 2018, though the ban was appealed. In the earlier years of his career, Kaluge was put on blast for toxicity and sexist remarks. Though a Reddit post claimed that Overwatch League, that the Overwatch League denied Kaluge a contract with the Vancouver Titans in 2020, a spokesperson from the league told Dot Esports that, quote, the Overwatch League has never denied a contract for Hygan slash Kaluge. Kaluge is currently the Shock's only tank player and will be responsible for handling the sole tank slot in Overwatch 2's 5 vs. 5 competitive setup. Update, March 28th, 4.50pm CT. This article previously quoted a comment that claimed the Overwatch League denied Kaluge a contract. It has been updated with official word from the league. So there you go. Um, I, I you know, didn't linger on the super story for too long because I wanted to get to this one where, uh, of course, we learn about San Francisco's uh, tank replacement for Super. Now, if you listen to uh, Ready Set Pwn, you will know that I have already shared my thoughts on this, so I won't go into them too, too much. If you are curious, go check out Ready Set Pwn, uh, where th- their most recent episode, where I do talk a little bit about Kaluge signing and San Francisco, or I mean uh, Super, sorry, retiring from the San Francisco shock. But I did find it interesting that they had Kaluge lined up so quickly to replace Super. I do suspect a little bit of that is, yeah, they were in a pinch. They needed someone who's already in the States who has a, you know, has a, doesn't need a visa to get into the country um, and could join the team relatively easily, uh, as well as someone who has a promising Overwatch career. And obviously Kaluge, again, has the experience and seemingly has the talent, um, even made it very close to joining the league in the past. I think that they knew or they had inklings that Super was going to be on his way out sooner than uh, than his announcement was made. Um, if you look at, you know, the comments he had made and if you'd watched him on stream and stuff like that, he had talked previously about how his interest was dwindling um, and maybe he just didn't have that fire in him anymore. 
Um, you know, I definitely don't think it's a case where where Super was lazy or or made this decision, you know, uh, on the turn of a dime or anything like that. I think he probably was really considering his options um, and really wanted to make an appropriate decision. But ultimately, even if he's giving 95%, um, you know, a lot of people would say that's enough. But to someone like Super, who I think has the leadership and has the qualities that you want um, in a good teammate, I think anything less than 100% is not going to cut it. And I think Super... Uh, could see that in himself and didn't want to let his teammates down. And, and he did talk about how he felt like he was letting his teammates down in a lot of ways when he wasn't able to give it his all. So ultimately, I think San Francisco suspected this was coming. Um, I'm sure Super was having conversations with uh, Coach Krusty, um, as well as the uh, president of NRG. I believe his name is Andy Miller. Um, I'm sure they had been in talks and trying to work something out. But ultimately, what's right for Super is what's right for Super, and he's got to make that call. Um, I do think they probably had been in talks with, if not already signed Kaluj, um, and maybe we're just holding off on the announcement. I wonder if they had Kaluj signed as a secondary tank, and they would have announced it if, you know, later on, maybe closer to the start of the season, even if Super was staying with the team. Um, but obviously because of his announcement and because he did decide to retire now, uh, kind of forced their hand a little bit and made it so that they were like, okay, now we do need to announce it, so... Regardless, Kaluj joining the San Francisco Shock, meaning that uh, Violet is the only remaining member from the sort of championship days of uh, the San Francisco Shock. Um, so really, you know, new teams pretty much all around. Uh, with the exception of a very few rosters, we are seeing heavily revamped rosters. Um, you know, Chengdu has quite a few members from their team last year. The Dallas Fuel obviously uh, have basically their whole team from last year. Um with you know a few additions um i'm just looking at the list shanghai obviously very much the same I, I think they're entirely the same maybe they brought one more person on but they didn't release anybody as far as i understand um looking through things yeah other than that i mean san francisco is vastly different than they were before now um i mean even with super they were mostly different than they were before uh paris is remaining fairly similar to what they were the gladiators again remaining fairly similar but mostly additions uh changing things up um so anyways uh san francisco should be very interesting to see what they're able to do this next season now we finally move on to our final finally finally uh moving on to our final story of the week uh we're gonna get this one from gamereactor.eu a site that i don't think i've read before read from before but i couldn't really find this uh news anywhere else um, it was announced, I think, on uh, April Fool's Day or the day after April Fool's Day, and they kind of had to clarify if it was, in fact, an April Fool's joke or not, and it was not. Uh, so we're going to read from GameReactor.eu with an article by Ben Lyons on April 4th, which reads, Atlanta Rain has signed speedily. The former American Tornado player is making his Overwatch League debut. With the start of the 2022 Overwatch League season getting ever closer, it's becoming quite rare to see teams signing new players. Yet even though this is generally the case, the Atlanta Reign has revealed that it has signed speedily to the team. Known formerly for his time on the American Tornado Overwatch Contenders team, speedily will be making his Overwatch League debut this season for the Reign. However, he will not be taking stage until at least the end of August, as speedily doesn't turn 18 and become eligible to play until August 26th. When he does become eligible, we can expect Speedily to be joining the full Rain DPS crew that also consists of Kai, Nero, and Venom. 
So there you go, in addition to the Atlanta rain that I don't think we uh, many people would have seen coming. Um, but regardless, exciting to see them, you know, building out the roster a little bit more, adding to the flex DPS role there. They've now got eight players. Um, as I mentioned there, eight players seeming to be the norm with most, uh, most teams. And they're a little bit more evenly spread than I think a lot of teams that we're seeing right now. You know, I think a lot of teams we're seeing stack on the tank role, and stack on the uh, flex support role, and then maybe the flex DPS as well. Um, so, you know, two, four, six, and then seven and eight being uh, the main support and the hit scan. They've actually got two on tank, two on hit scan DPS, two on flex DPS, and then one main support and one flex. So, a little bit interesting composition there, uh, you know, kind of relying on uh, not seeing or, or crossing their fingers that we won't see a flex, double flex support meta. Whereas I think many teams are suspecting or, or placing their bets that we will. Um, you know, if we look at Washington, Vancouver, Shanghai, San Francisco, uh, New York, Gladiators, Houston, uh, Florida, Chengdu, Boston, all of those teams do have two flex support players whereas it seems to be uh it, I, I guess it's actually pretty evenly split about 50 50 with teams only having one flex support and teams having two so anyways a little bit of an interesting one uh you know a lot of teams are stacking flex dps and not hit scan dps um but again there are a few outliers there so i don't know too much about speedily i have heard good things um but again just not following the contender scene too closely i don't know too much about that so regardless um exciting to see yet another signing uh alongside the uh, san francisco shock signing Kaluge. um and hopefully we do see some of these uh positions that are currently sitting open uh getting filled out before you know over the coming month uh exactly a month really um before the start of season five of the overwatch league now that's going to wrap things up for our news stories this week but there is one more thing that i wanted to talk about so as i mentioned there with the ping system um and when i kind of went on a little bit of a rant there about the community updates and the cadence at which we're seeing or not seeing those and maybe you know, the missed opportunity that there was to see those on a regular basis. Um, we obviously have again been a few weeks without one. I wanted to kind of speculate when we'll see the next community update. Um, if I take a look here at the calendar, let's pull this bad boy up and see what we're looking at here. Uh, today, as of recording, is April 5th, so you'll be listening to this on April 6th at the earliest. Um, I mean, the league starts, as I mentioned, in exactly a month as of the time of recording here which means we've got essentially one two three four weeks before uh where they could announce something or or could put something out there i would expect we get i mean realistically i want to say we get two more community updates i want to say we get one next week and then one in the week before the overwatch league kicks off which would of course be the 11th to 15th and then the 25th to 29th um realistically i think they usually are the past two community updates have come out on a thursday or friday if i'm not mistaken so realistically april 14th or 15th or 28th 29th i would love to see an update on both of those uh weeks so you know call it 14th and 28th i think would be great drop it on a thursday um you know depending on the news coverage cycle 
you probably get some coverage on the Thursday, you get some coverage on the Friday, and then of course going into the weekend you get traffic from people who you know maybe don't follow these things uh, during the week but have a chance to catch up on the weekend. I think that could work really well. Um, and again, you know, they've got tons of things they could detail. They could detail maps, they could detail characters, they could detail abilities, they could detail um, systems like the ping system, they could detail, uh, I mean, skins, they could detail uh, the push, new, new push mode. Um, you know, again, even things that we've seen a little bit of, or we even have most of the de details of, they could easily reframe that. Um, they could show us the character select screen. They could show us I don't know, the, the loading screen that XQC leaked. They could talk about content creators that have access. They could, you know, confirm who's in the private alpha that's going on right now. Excuse me. They could start announcing or make an announcement about people getting invites to the beta coming. They could talk about drops. They could talk about uh, streaming. They could talk about co-streams. There's so many different things that they could dive into here. And they could really share with us to build up the hype before the season starts. If I'm being real, I think we get one more community update. As I mentioned, I really, really want to. I think all of us want to because obviously we just want more content and more transparency. But um, based on their track record now at this point where they you know, miss the opportunity to go every two weeks for a solid, you know, I don't know, two months in a row... I think we're only going to get one more community update. Realistically, again, uh, it's been a little bit since we had one, so I could see it dropping next week. Um, and if it drops next week, that means we go, you know, again, if we call it the 14th of April, then we go one, two, three weeks from the 14th is the official start of Season 5 of the Overwatch League. So I could see that happening. Um, the other day, Zoe did tweet that she was recording something that we would be seeing in the near future um again obviously turnaround time on these things is never really short uh so i think a week would be probably realistic um so yeah the, the more i look at it i think the 14th 15th would be would be a realistic goal um i wouldn't be surprised though if we do see it take an extra week and it's the 21st 22nd that does set up set things up nicely to be two weeks out from the start of the league but again there's no consistency here there's, there's no reliability in when these things are happening or coming through or anything like that. So I don't necessarily have any faith. Um, it also would not surprise me if we see something on the 2nd, 3rd, or 4th of May, right before the season kicks off. I digress. That's just some speculation that I had been kicking around that I think we might see. Um, but at this point, who truly knows? Predictable. All right. Well, with that, that brings us to the end of episode 69 of One Man Watchpoint. I hope you had a fun ride. I know I did. Uh, I enjoyed this episode. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you so, for, so much for supporting me. And, of course, you know, telling your friends and just blowing me up and making this podcast huge as it obviously is if this was your first time thank you so much for attending thank you for being here please reach out to me on twitter uh interact with me on all socials i am at sir dr jm that's at sir drjm 
why not give me a follow, reach out to me, uh, again, especially on Twitter, tweet at me, DM me, whatever you want to do, questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, topics, ideas for the show, anything you've got, hit me up uh, on Twitter. I would love to take your suggestions, turn it into content on here, all sorts of stuff like that. As it relates to Overwatch, as it relates to video games in general, I'm a, I'm a gamer, uh, I like games, so I'm happy to talk about that as a whole. You can, of course, find this podcast over on all podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, etc., etc., etc. If you do leave a review, I will read it out on the show. Although, I don't think at this point I've had any reviews. Now, so you could be the first. You could be the first. If you can't get enough of me, catch me over on Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, which you can also find on podcast services everywhere. Thank you so much again for listening to today's episode, and we will catch you in two weeks' time on One Man Watchpoint, or one week's time over on the next episode of Ready, Set, Pwn. Farewell.